Uh, so if you have your Bible with you this morning, I want you to find the book of John. Uh, we're going to be in John chapter 9. nine. Uh, and last week, uh, we kind of ended our series that was uh, titled Foundational. And we did this massive nine-week series, and the idea was to focus on what are some of the core beliefs that are important to Christianity that maybe we don't even completely understand. Like, what do we believe? Like, what makes a Christian a Christian or a Jesus follower a Jesus follower? And like I said, it was nine weeks long, so I am not going to try and recap it, because let's be real, we don't want to be here for three hours, right? So with not doing a full recap, as I was thinking about uh, what, what am I going to speak on this week? Pastor Josiah, like he said, was out at Lake Beauty Bible Camp, and so we didn't have our usual chatter back and forth about what direction we are heading. Uh, left me wondering, really, okay, it's Father's Day. God, what, what do you have for our church today? And as I was actually sitting and wrestling with it already yes, last Sunday afternoon, uh, a memory popped up from four years ago. Uh, yeah, it's Facebook memory. We all get them, right? And most of us ignore it. But that memory was that four years ago, I spoke for the very first time on a Sunday morning. And that was a cool memory for me, just to see how far God has taken me and the steps that he is, I have taken in the past four years. But it went much deeper for me than just the memory and, oh, you stood on a stage for the first time and you spoke. It went so much deeper for me. It was about the passage of Scripture that I spoke on. And I really felt like this would actually fit extremely well with maybe finalizing or reiterating some very important points that we talked about in our foundational series. And it just so happens to be one of my favorite passages of Scripture, one of my favorite stories. And so this morning, I've just titled this message, Clear Vision. Clear Vision. And so with that this morning, I want to challenge you to be ready for God to move, to do whatever you need to do to put aside what you walked in here with, to set aside your week, maybe even what you have to do this afternoon or a place you have to be at a certain time, and fully say, God, my heart, my ears, and my eyes are open to you this morning. And so if you are willing and able, would you please stand with me as we read from God's word this morning. Again, we are in John chapter 9. We are going to be reading uh, verses 1 through 7. Uh, so we'll start in verse 1, and it says this. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so that the power of God could be seen in him. We must quickly carry out the tasks assigned to us by the one who sent us. The night is coming and then no one can work. But while I am here in the world, I am the light of the world. Then he spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva, and spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. He told him, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. Siloam meaning sent. So the man went, he washed, and washed, and he came back seeing. Let's pray. Father God, uh, my prayer this morning is that you would speak through me that it wouldn't be my words, God, but it would be something for each and every one of us this morning that we can be challenged. God, that as we walk out the doors that we have a different eyesight in who you are and what is all around us and what you are asking us to be a part of. God, thank you for this opportunity to gather together, to worship together, to learn together and grow together. God, help us to not just do that here, but in our communities. 
God, thank you again for this opportunity. Speak to us in a powerful way this morning. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. In Jesus' name, amen. You may have a seat. I love this story. I absolutely love this story. And not just the miracle part of the story. There are so many things that can be taken away from this story than just the physical healing that happened. It is an amazing thing what happened. He healed a blind man. And I am not trying to take away the, any of the awesomeness of that miracle. And we will talk about the portion of the miracle there. But it, I really want us to just pause and sit in the story this morning. And so I wanted to start off a little different. And I wanted us to think about our eyesight. Many of us take it for granted very easily. We don't really pay attention to it until we suddenly have trouble seeing something, right? Or we can't read something. For me, in the past few months, suddenly I can't read anything close to me, so I ended up with bifocals. Getting old sucks. <laughs> Getting old sucks. Trying to adjust to these bifocals is insane. But, but our eyes are amazing. And so I just pulled a few facts, and I know that I've said I've spoken on this before, but I found some different facts that are just fascinating about the human eye. The human eye can differentiate approximately 10 million different colors. I had no idea there were that many colors. 10 million different colors. The human eye blinks an average of 4,200,000 times a year. This means if you were given a nickel for every time you blinked, you'd make $210,000 annually. Who wants that job? Come on! Each individual eye contains 100 million cells, and all are light-sensitive. Your eye is the fastest muscle in your body, hence the phrase, in the blink of an eye. The world's most common eye color is brown. Uh, I found this one interesting. I don't know why I threw this in here. It's kind of funny to me. But pirates wore earrings because they believed it improved their eyesight. Come on. <laughs> really? <laughs> All right. I was like, what? Uh, our eyes are the second most complex part of your body, only surpassed in complexity by the brain. If the human eye were a digital camera, it would have a resolution equivalent to 576 megapixels. And just to maybe, you're like, that's a lot of megapixels, I don't even understand that. I was looking up what the newest iPhone has for their camera, and it says it has a 48 megapixel camera, but even, even still with that, it takes most, mostly 12 megapixel pictures. But to put that in, our eye has 576 megapixels. The iPhone, at most, 48. Incredible. And this last one, 80% of our memories are determined by what we see. And this one made me stop and think, and, and I want you to stop and think. For a moment, I want you to think of a memory. Make it a good one. Come on. Make it a good memory. Maybe you have to close your eyes. Maybe it's your childhood home. Maybe it's a favorite vacation spot or somewhere you've been. Maybe it's your first pet. And when I, when I stroll down memory lane, pictures flash through my mind. And it's amazing. 80% of what we remember is because of what we have seen. A few more facts. The fingerprint contains 40 unique traits. The eyes contain 256. Hence the reason retina security is much more secure than fingerprints. Our eyes are made up of more than 2 million operational parts and can process more than 36,000 bits of information per hour. The eyes the muscles are the strongest muscle in our body and they require no rest. 
And finally, the optic nerve is made up of more than one million tiny nerve fibers, much like the fiber optic cable. But once these nerve fibers are cut, they cannot be reconnected. That is why it is impossible to transplant an entire eye. Our eyes are fascinating. Our sight is fascinating. And there is so much more information out there, and I probably already went on too long because I got going, and I'm like, this is cool, this is cool, this is cool, this is cool. But our eyes are complex, and it fascinates me. And the passage that we read today is probably one that we have all heard. Maybe we've read it before ourselves, but I really want us to sit inside the story to understand what is happening before, during the miracle, and after. And I think that what we can pull from this story just resonates with what we were trying to learn through our foundational series. So I just kind of want to go through the story a little deeper. We have Jesus walking along. He sees a blind man. And I just told you that 80% of our memories are created by what we see. This man has never been able to create those memories. Never. There are no photos that pop into his head when he remembers a memory in his life. We have no idea how old he was, but he is an adult who has never seen. He's never seen his parents. He's never seen his family. He's never seen his friends. He's never seen the sunrise. He's never seen the sunset. He has no idea what he looks like. He couldn't pick himself out of a lineup, right? But Jesus sees him. As do the disciples, and they ask him, who sinned Jesus here? This man or his parents causing him to be born blind. And Jesus responds to this question about sin. And I, I, I love the way the message translation uh, has this verse. And I desperately, I couldn't find it in Spanish, so I apologize for that. But I do have the message version of this here. I love the way it says it. It says, Jesus said you're asking the wrong question. You're looking for someone to blame. There's no cause or effect here. Look instead for what God can do. We need to be energetically at work for the one who sent me here, working while the sun shines. When night falls, the workday is over for as long as I am in the world, I am the world's light. I want us to stop there for a moment. The disciples asked this question because in that time it was common for them to think that if you had some sort of physical ailment or something wrong with you, it was because of something that a sin that you committed or even a sin that your parents committed. That was the theory back then, but Jesus just shuts it down. And he told them that they were asking the wrong question. Their focus, their eyesight was off. I like to think they had a little bit of astigmatism. They were looking at the blind man with blurred vision, not seeing the situation through God's eyes. And in one of my first points here, and it's, it's, it's a deep one, it can be hard to understand, but we need to understand that God works in ways we cannot understand or comprehend. There are situations in our life that we don't understand. But we do know that his ways are higher than our ways. He, he is infinite, we are finite. And we need to understand that sometimes God chooses to display his power on a platform of our pain and suffering. It's hard. Sometimes we need to accept those circumstances and recognize that God might want to glorify himself in a way we would not choose. I think that we have all had those times in our lives where we look back 
And as we look back on the story of the situation that we have been through, and we can sit there now and go, I can see God's hand moving throughout the entire story. But it's not so easy when we're in the middle of the storm, is it? But God is asking us to trust him. He says, watch me. Watch me. Watch what I can do. Watch what I can do through you, in and through you. Watch what I can do. I don't want to keep going. Jesus said, I am the world's light. And he said this, and he spit in the dust, and he made this clay paste with saliva, rubbed the paste on the man's eyes, and said, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. And the man went, washed, and saw. I like to have fun when I'm reading the Bible. I like to use my imagination. So would you please join me for a little bit and try and picture this scene? He says, watch me, then spits in the dust, makes a clay paste, and rubs it in the man's eyes. I've, I've read what Jesus has done, all these miraculous things, and I'm like, really? You're going to spit in the mud? Can you imagine this scene? Like, be the disciples. They're standing around. You've seen Jesus heal people, and they're standing around, and you're like, I have so many questions. Why? I mean, Jesus literally went, and spit in the mud. And he made a little mud pie. And he put it on the man's eyes. This is a crazy scene. Have some fun with it. As you read your Bible, it doesn't have to be boring. Sit yourself in the story. What did it look like? Imagine it. Bring it to life a little bit. I have these questions. Did Jesus ask him first? Because can you imagine? You hear somebody go... And then slap, like, did he go, hey, I'm going to put this mud on your eyes? No, I don't, I don't know. Did he ask him first? Did the man just sit there? Because somebody starts putting mud on my eyes, I'm going to squirm away. Did somebody have to hold him down? Like, I have all these ridiculous questions. Come on. But I think it's okay. Because we sit ourselves in this story and we begin to understand what this looks like. We don't have those answers. They're not important answers. But John wrote down for us what was important, how this man responds to Jesus. And it's something absolutely extraordinary. Jesus told him, go wash. And so the man went and he washed and he came back seeing. We could stop right there and go have a whole sermon right there. That's amazing. He was, he was brave. He was courageous. He was bold. He just went. Moving on, and I... We'll get to the points in every single section of this. But moving on in the story, verses 8 through 35 is quite long. And for again, for the sake of time, I'm not going to read it all to you. But I want to give you a little synopsis of what happens. After this man is healed, people recognize him totally confused. Isn't this the man who was blind and begging on the street? And the man was like, hey, that was me. That was me. And they're like, What? This, this can't be the same guy. And, and he begins to share his story. And he's like, yes, that was me. And, they, and then they decided, well, we're going to take him to the Pharisees. We're going to take him to the church people. Oh, boy. So they take him to the Pharisees, and they all are in a stink because it's the Sabbath. And we don't want to heal on the Sabbath, right? And they all begin to question him, and they're interrogating him. That's what they're doing. They're not just simply asking, but they are interrogating this man. They ask his story. Who healed you? How did he do it? All of these different questions. And yet, still, and then even after all of that, don't believe his story. 
So much so that they call the man's parents in and say, is this your son? Was he really born blind? And the parents are terrified. The parents are terrified. They're like, I don't want to get kicked out of church. So they answer the Pharisees, much like you would answer a law enforcement officer, like, yes, he was my son, yes, he was born blind, and we don't know how he did. That's how they answered him, because they were so scared of saying something to be kicked out of the church. So they talk to his parents. They bring him back again and question him, asking him the same interrogating questions. So much so that the man looks at them and goes, you're asking me so many questions about him. Do you want to be his disciple too? And now they're really mad. Now they're on fire. How dare you? And he begins to be bold in sharing that this man has to be from God because if he wasn't, he couldn't have healed my blindness. And they are again upset because they, they're like, are you teaching us something? Are you try, do you think you can teach us? It's this horrible scenario in my mind. How sad that they wouldn't just listen to this man's story. And they are completely insulted. And I want us to pick up in verse 35, and we're actually going to read these six verses. But it says this, When Jesus heard what had happened, he found the man, and he asked, Do you believe in the Son of Man? The man answered, Who is he, sir? I want to believe him. You've seen him, Jesus said, and he is speaking to you. Yes, Lord, I believe, the man said, and he worshipped Jesus. Then Jesus told him, I entered this world to render judgment, to give sight to the blind, and to show those who think that they can see that they are blind. Some Pharisees who were standing nearby him heard him and asked, are you saying we are blind? If you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty, Jesus replied, but you remain guilty because you claim you can see. As my really good friend Morgan would say, when something hits hard as she's reading her Bible, wolf. Whew. You may be going, Aaron, I have no idea how your brain connected this to foundational. But the more I read this passage this week, the more I read this story over and over, asking God, God, how do I relate this to what we just learned in the last nine weeks? I believe that there are some points, in our, again, in our foundational series that are repeated in a different lens, in a different way of looking at things. And I feel it's important to go over those thoughts again. And you may be like, we're going to go over the story again? Yes. First, the miracle happens. Before the miracle happens, Jesus had a lesson for the disciples and to us. He told them that they were asking the wrong questions. They were looking at it in the wrong way. And I want to challenge all of us, what are we looking at in the wrong way? Think about it. As we read the Bible, do we have a little bit of a stigmatism, only seeing the things the way we have been taught? Or are we reading and understanding them through God's vision? How many times do we look at the situations that people are in around us and have a bit of a stigmatism and ask the question, what did they do to get themselves in that situation? And yes, maybe they're struggling because of a result of a choice they made or a choice somebody else made. But as his followers, as Jesus' followers, we are to do more than open the rule book, cast judgment, and disregard them. We are called to see more. We are called to see more. We need to allow him to give us new lenses. New vision when looking at his word 
new vision in looking at the world and the people around us and begin to ask ourselves not what was the problem, but what can God do? And when we do this, this is what will happen. My first point, when we can see correctly, we can understand and begin to see God working in ways that we did not think were possible. We begin to see things differently. When we, our eyesight has been corrected by God, we see things differently. We react differently. We do differently. Moving on in the story, the blind, blind man's faith, like I said, it's inspiring. He took a step of faith. He simply listened and obeyed. And when you think about it, he had no idea who Jesus was. He didn't have any theology lessons. He didn't understand everything about what it was to be a Jesus follower. He simply went. He didn't fully understand, and yet he trusted. And I am not sure that the miracle would have happened if he wouldn't have taken that first step. It doesn't say his friends or people led him to the pool in the Bible. It says he went. So many times I think in our, as we, maybe we picture, we think a bunch of people brought him there, but it says he went. I don't know how he got there. Probably took him a little longer, but he went. It was his faith, his effort, his willingness to trust that helped him see. He depended on no one but the words of Jesus. He had no idea what would actually happen or how long it would take, but he went. The other thing that impresses me about this man is his boldness after the miracle happens. He is being interrogated by the Pharisees, by the church people, and he was incredibly bold. He didn't, again, know all the answers about who Jesus was. He didn't even understand that he was the Messiah. But what he did know was who God was. And he spoke with boldness and had a better understanding than the teachers actually questioning him. So I have a couple questions for us. What step or steps do you need to take? And how bold are you with your faith? What is God asking you to do? In what areas of your life do you need to take a step and just trust him in it? Understanding that one step can change your life forever. One step towards God and understanding who he is. Even though you don't understand it all, but just taking that step will change your life forever. It will impact not only you, but those around you. One step can deepen our understanding of who God is. Let's not be scared of taking that step because of what we might learn. But let's, be, let's take the step. Let's be bold in our faith. Let's continuously be moving like our God is moving and moving forward. And finally, after the miracle, Jesus finds the blind man and reveals that he was the Messiah and explains that he has come to help the blind see and expose those who think that they can see that they are blind. The Pharisees, a bunch of gang members over here. Are you saying we're blind? That's what I'm picturing. Come on. Have some fun with it, right? Are you saying we're blind? If you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty. But you remain guilty because you claim you can see. What is sad to me is too often in our churches, we are like the Pharisees. We work really hard at figuring out and knowing what we believe, and it is incredibly important to continuously be learning and growing in our faith and understanding of who 
God is. We find passages maybe to back us up. Sadly, we don't look at entire stories, just bits and pieces. The Pharisees were using bits and pieces to judge and accuse this man. And if we are not careful with how we approach God's words or how we see in the entire story, if we don't look at the entire story, we create our own blind spots. And if we are not careful, those small little blind spots will make us completely blind. Will make us completely blind to how God is moving and miss the opportunity to see him do something absolutely miraculous. So my thought on this is, is, have we become so consumed by our own thoughts, theories, and ideas that we have become blind to how God is actually moving right in front of us? Again, it's important. I love that we did the foundational series, that we understand and we try and grasp why we believe what we believe, but we have to remember to see the whole story, the whole picture, asking ourselves the right questions, not the great questions in our own heart, but what are the questions that God has? Let's make sure, like, in this story that we're asking the right questions. Not questions with blurred vision, with a bit of astigmatism, but clear eyesight that sees how big our God is. Let's also understand that as we move in a direction of knowing him more, it will reveal our own blind spots when it comes to our faith and belief. And when God does reveal where our blind spots are, because I'm telling you, I have blind spots, When God reveals those to us, let us not react like the Pharisees and be offended when those are pointed out, but actually begin to humbly ask God to heal our own blindness and and then take the steps to see clearly. I'm going to have Carrie come as we begin to close this. I love this miracle. I love the miracle that John recorded. And it is a story that we, again, have all heard before, but how many times have we read this story and just seen the miracle? How much more is there to this story when we stop and see the whole picture? We have blind spots. We have blind spots. And I want us to be a church that is willing and open to know where we have blind spots and humbly ask God to clear our vision. Not not to clear our vision to defend what we believe, but sight to see more of him and how he can use us in our community, in this world. Sight to see how he is actually moving and give him the honor and glory that he deserves. Would you all just stand with me as we... Maybe, maybe you're here today and I don't know if you'd be willing and brave enough to stand alongside me and say, I have some blurred vision. I have some blind spots when it comes to what it means to be a Jesus follower. 
I want to be a, a church of humility that doesn't proclaim that we know it all, but a church that loves and sees what God can do and believes in what God can do and how he can move. Where are your blind spots? Are we seeing God move or are we just simply looking at the words? Ask him to heal your blind sight, your blindness, and ask him to give you a vision to see him move in everything that you do. I was thinking about this too. Maybe you're here today and you have a blurred vision of who God is because of your past experience with a church. I'm sorry. If you've been hurt in the church, I'm sorry. But I want to challenge you in this. If you have been hurt and you have this blurry vision of who God is because of something that somebody said to you or something that has happened in the church, I want to challenge you to take a step of boldness towards God. I want you to take a step not based on your past experience, but a step to experience a God who created you, who sees you and loves you right where you're at. That he understands you and he doesn't look at the things that make your life a mess. He sees you and who he created you to be. So this morning, if that's you, take a step. And if you have questions on that, man, I would love to sit and talk to you. Pastor Josiah would love to talk to you, but take a step. Even if you've been hurt, take a step. I heard it once said, you don't have to understand everything to believe in Jesus. You just have to take a step. And with every step along the way, you will learn more and more about who God really is and how he is moving in your life already. And so for those of us who call, us Jesus, call ourselves Jesus followers, are we still taking steps? Are we seeing things through God's vision or our own? And for those who are seeking who God really is, take a step. No matter what camp we're in, we all need new vision. We all need new vision. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for who you are. I thank you that you see each and every one of us not in the mess that we create for ourselves or what is going on in our lives, but you see us purely as who you created us to be, an image of you. So God, we, we humbly, as a church, just ask you, reveal our blind spots. Heal our blindness and help us to see what you're doing. And God, give us the boldness and the courage to do the things that you are asking us to do, to step out in faith, not worried about what others think around us, but God, use us in a powerful way to build your kingdom, not our own. And we want to do it all for your honor and glory. So God, challenge us today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this story that we so often miss the lesson of. God, may we go home and open our own Bibles and reread what we think we know and see it in a whole new light. God, we thank you again for fathers. 
for who they are and what they do for each and every one of us. And God, we thank you as a heavenly father for what you've done for us. Jesus, be with us the rest of this day. Keep us safe. Help us to honor and glorify you with everything that we say and do. In Jesus' name, amen.